Thanks so much for being with us today. Welcome into Undisputed. I'm Jen Hale, here with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are we today? I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. No, you're not doing nearly as well as I am because this is going to be a great day on Undisputed because Shannon yeah. Sharp, I hold in my what? hands my newest addition to my cowboy jersey collection. Can you see this? Can you see yeah, this? See that, Can you see 11 yes, see from it. heaven? He has arrived in my house. He is about to arrive this year as Defensive Player of the Year, not just Defensive Rookie of the Year, Player of the Year. And we have some great new news to talk about concerning my Dallas Cowboys, America's team forever. That might be how many losses you guys have this year. 11? Want to bet on it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Nope. I sure don't. I sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> Skip, I imagine you have like a glass case oh. in your house that's temperature controlled and yeah. lit perfectly for that jersey. Mm. Yes, All I right. do. Skip, you are going to really like this first topic, but guess what? I love it even more. Yahoo Sports simulating this upcoming NFL season using Madden, guys. And Skip's Cowboys went 12-5 and in the regular season, giving them the number one seed in the NFC. The simulation also has Dak Prescott winning MVP. Thanks to 57 touchdowns in Dallas reaching the NFC Championship, but they lost to my Saints. Shannon, what percentage chance do you actually <laughs> give the Cowboys of winning that number one seed and Dak getting MVP? Well, here's the thing. If he wins MVP, they're gonna get the number one seed, but I'm gonna give I'm gonna give them a one percent a one percent chance of advancing to the uh, the NFC title game. I'm going to give Dak a 0.5% chance of winning the MVP. Skip, we went back the last five seasons, the last five MVPs, they were the number one seed and they averaged 13 wins per season. If you go back one more season, only Matt Ryan, Skip, uh, was the number two seed in which he won the MVP. So you see what they're up against. Now, I get it. Last year, they were 12 and five, but I don't know if the narrative is going to be good enough that dealing with uh, 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 the receiver position. He only has C.D. Lamb. Amari left via free agency. Cedric Wilson, well, Amari left via trade. Cedric left uh, via free agency. Now they got a bunch of uh, uh, no-name guys. Tolbert took in the third round. You got Noah Brown. And so you don't have the depth or the experience outside of C.D. So I don't know if that narrative is good enough to get Dak over the hump. One other, uh, a couple other things that I believe are working against him. Skip, although the offensive line is good, it's not as dominant as it once was. Ezekiel Elliott isn't the bell cow back that he once was. And so for me, those are things. And plus, the biggest thing is Dak has been in his six seasons roller coaster. The one thing when you go back and look at the last five MVPs, the one thing they were was consistent from start to finish. And so for me, when I, when I look at all of these things, the inexperience and lack of depth at the wide receiver position, the offensive line is not as is, is not as dominant as they once were. Zeke is not the bell cow back that he once was. Dak Prescott, roller coaster type season skip. I think you have your work cut out for you for all these the perfect scenario in which this simulation spit out yesterday. And so for me, I just don't see that happening. But I will say this: like I said, the last five MVPs, 13 wins, number one seed. If Dak, if Dak skip, if Dak wins the MVP. 
they're going to be the number one seed because he's going to 17 games now. He's going to have to win somewhere between 13 and 14 games. And when you look at it, weeks one and two, start with the Bucks, start with the Bengals. That is at home. Week five, they come out here to L.A. and play the Rams. They got the Packers at Packers uh, at Minnesota, basically in back to back weeks. The Colts at home, Tennessee on the road in, uh, in week 17. So I'm just looking at these out-of-division out of games, Skip. I'm not even saying anything about the in-division game because I think they're going to probably maybe lose one game, and that probably will be to Philly. But I think they have their work cut out for them, so I don't see this simulation being correct. <sighs> Shannon Sharp, you being the yeah. president of the National Cowboy Haters <laughs> Club, <laughs> I have an announcement for you here today on Undisputed. As you know, all through the offseason, I have tried my damnedest to restrain myself, to check myself, uh -oh. to govern myself, <laughs> to try to keep from falling into the annual offseason or preseason trap in which I fall, yes. thanks to my Dallas Cowboys, who always, always let me down. They're, they're sort of the opposite of the, the mail carriers who, who get there through rain, sleet, or snow. My Cowboys never get there when it starts to rain, sleet, or snow. But this year, after last night, I, I could no longer help myself. After I read oh this Madden simulation... Something clicked in my brain. Maybe I lost my brain. Maybe it's a no-brainer as in I don't have a brain anymore. <laughs> but it dawned upon me that I have already predicted that my Cowboys are going to go 12-5, and five, which is, by the way, exactly what Madden simulates. They're going to go 12-5, and five, and that 12-5 and five will be good enough for the number one seed in the NFC. Well, I'm good with that. So I'm great with the simulation, which leads me to Dak Prescott. I cannot defend the way he has fallen on his face mask down the stretch of the 2019 season when he bet on himself against Jerry Jones and lost during the season but won at the negotiating table. I, I can't defend the way he fell on his face mask down the stretch last year, starting with your Denver Broncos at home and, of course, Thanksgiving at home and at Kansas City and Kyler Murray at home and then San Francisco at home. It was home, not sweet, so home for me. It, it was a collapse. It was an embarrassment. That team set, obviously, the franchise record for a playoff game in penalties and then opened up this preseason by committing 22 penalties in the first preseason game. I can't defend any of that. But I must tell you, maybe I've let my heart run away with my head today, but I like this simulation. It rang true to me. Sometimes I just listen for that little bell to go off in the back of my psyche, and it went off last night because I'm starting to love what I see and what I feel for my Dallas Cowboys. I do believe Dak is positioned, healthy as he's ever been, going into year seven at age 29, into the heart of his prime, I believe he's positioned to have not a good but a great year. I believe they had a pretty great year last year when they led the whole league in points. They led the whole league in yards. 
They, they tied for the lead in turnover ratio, the, te- the most telling stat in pro football. And why can't they suddenly jump aboard that and, and take it up to another level this year? Well, because what, what, they're the Cowboys. Bit, well, what did you see Saturday night? I saw turpentine splashed all over you. I, I saw Cavante Turpin come out of nowhere, as in the USFL right here on Fox. The USFL MVP looked like he could be an MVP, at least of my Cowboys. All of a sudden, we have a not-so-secret weapon. All of a sudden, we have some new juice, some new voltage in an offense that I thought at the receiver position had gone from strength to weakness. But what have I predicted prophesied throughout the offseason. CeeDee Lamb is going to have a breakout year, and maybe Cavante Turpin was exactly the little slot receiver, the little X factor that he needed. And Dalton Schultz looks sensational to me. And every time I look up that kid Jake Ferguson, they drafted in the fourth round out of Wisconsin, he Shannon, he's a football player. He plays your position tight end. I think he's going to be a big contributor because he just knows how to play. He was first team all Big Ten, and I, I like the feel of him. I'm starting to love what I see from their first-round pick, Tyler Smith. He is going to commit holding penalties. He is going to false start, and he is going to maul people at left guard. I think he can definitely hold down that side of the fort, if not just open big gaping holes for Ezekiel Elliott. And I told you in that new commercial featuring Kevin Hart for DraftKings, Zeke's body looks the best it's looked since he came into pro football out of Ohio State. I I love his new commitment because he's on virtually a contract year. He's playing for his NFL life. And I think with Dak in the best shape of his life, having lost his baby fat, I think they are poised to have the the best years – that, that they can have at this stage of their career. I'm not saying Z's going to average 108 yards a game, but I do believe he could average 80 yards a game. You laughed at me yesterday when I, I said that because he yeah, averaged 59 now. last year. I, I can see him going for 80 a, a, a game. That's just not that much. Now, what, what got me, what boggled my mind in a good way, was the, the simulations for Dak's totals are 5,649 yards. Shannon, that's 172 more than Peyton Manning had when he won the MVP. What was it, 2013 for your Broncos? That's the all-time NFL record by 172 yards. It also has Dak going from 37 touchdown passes, which was the franchise record last year, thanks to five in the last game against the practice squad in Philadelphia. But it's going from 37, vaulting all the way to 57. 57 touchdown passes, that will also shatter Peyton's all-time NFL record of 55 touchdown passes. That's a little hard for me to believe. The 72% is not that hard for me to believe. It would be his career high, Dax, but, but still, but those numbers have are he ever, let me ask you, MVP numbers. Can, can I ask you a question, Skip? Has he ever completed 60 uh, 72, 70% of his passes? No. Forget 72. No. Has he ever completed 70% of his passes? No. So in other words, they say the guy's going to jump. So you say that Ezekiel Elliott is going from barely rushing for 1,000 yards, I think he had 1,008, to going to over 1,300. Yes. They're going to say Dak yes. Prescott is going to go from 37 touchdowns to 57 uh, touchdowns. Yes. He's going to go from about 4,500 yards, so he's going to increase his yard total by 1,200 yards. 
And you like you're okay with that. You're like like yeah, yeah, I can see that happening. Really? It's it's a little bit of a stretch, but <laughs> a little. But, okay, but can I see MVP? Sure, I can. If you tell me twelve and five yeah. is the best record in the NFC, I, I'm great with that. And if you told me yeah, Dak had the best year of his career, would you be shocked by that? No, I wouldn't. He should. He's yes. poised to have Even the best year of his career. Even if, even if I give you the best year of his career, Skip, think about how many times Tom Brady threw the ball last year and what they thought he was going to get. Think about it now. He threw the ball more than anybody in NFL history, and he came up short of Peyton's record. So in other words, that means Dak is going to have to throw the ball at least 750, maybe almost 800 times, and he's going to have to have a completion percentage. I mean, just think about what that think about what you're saying, Skip. With C.D. Lamb as his primary, now he had Godwin, he had Chris, uh, uh, Mike Evans, he had Gronk, he had uh, uh, Cameron Brake. You're gonna say Dak and C.D. are gonna get, go get you 57 touchdowns and 5,700 yards, Skip. I don't see it. Dak has a great narrative about the thin, uh, inexperienced offensive. Uh, 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 the, excuse me, the receiving core. But Patrick Mahomes also has that saying, oh, he's doing this without Tyreek. Tom Brady, oh, look at that banged up offensive line and a new head coach. Aaron Rodgers, he lost Devontae, the best receiver in football, and he's putting up these numbers. Josh Allen, I think Josh Allen has the, the least of the narrative. Everybody thinks by all indications, Skip, he has the best, the most complete football team. When you look at what they added with Vaughn Miller, you look at Stephon Diggs, you look at Gabe Davis, you look at Dawson Knox, you look at the, uh, uh, the run game, solid offensive line. He doesn't have what some of these other MVP candidates behind him because he's the betting favorite has. So for me, Skip, I just don't, I just don't see Dak putting up those types of, those types of numbers. That's, that's astronomical. Shannon, I think we're going to have to respell his first name this regular season. It's R-A-Y-N as in Rain Dakota Prescott. And I think we're going to have to respell it R-E-I-G-N as in he is going to reign over this league this year. I also think he will benefit from a top five defense. I told you that, what was it, two, three days ago when maybe I told you Monday uh, but maybe it was Friday, I can't remember. But the point is, I love this defense. I believe Micah Parsons, I just showed you 11 from Heaven's the jersey I just got. I, I believe he is going to be the defensive player of the year. I believe he has a great shot, we're going to discuss this in a few minutes, at leading this league in sacks if they will let him, if they will use him as an edge rusher way more than they do as a stand-up linebacker. I believe that Dan Quinn, as the assistant coach of the year, is going to be the unofficial head coach and driving force of this team. <laughs> and I believe that all of a sudden I'm looking down at the defense, and not only did they lead the league in turnovers last year, but Shannon, I read the other day something I didn't know. They also led in that second level, maybe it's a third level stat, DVOA, which is the defensive value over average, where, where you grade every single play against the average play in the league, they ranked number one on defense last year. I think with Micah as the driving force of the defense, as the spark plug, as the catalyst, as the heart and soul of the defense, I just think they're going to be really, really good and, and be able to live up to an offense 
You, you mentioned some tough road games. I got you. I, I, they have to open with the GOAT, but we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. The GOAT, after Brady's break, comes back. He can't get a break now because his offensive line is decimated, and maybe this is starting to bode well for my Cowboys on opening Sunday night at Jerry World. Maybe they're in position to get a little revenge over the GOAT because maybe Tampa will not be quite ready to protect Brady the way they should be able to protect Brady. So all of a sudden, I'm I'm looking at offense with a, a very possible MVP, defense top five, 12 wins. I, I think that's pretty conservative. So I, I'm good with all of the above, and I think you are in huge trouble. Maybe my emotions are running completely away with me, but I believe you're going to be in huge trouble because you're going to get a whole lot of how about them Cowboys this year. Well, here's the thing, Skip. The, the, the thing that we've seen over the last five winners of the MVP is consistency. We didn't see roller coaster. The only thing that we've seen from Dak in his six years of starting is roller coaster type of a season. So for me, Skip, I just don't see it. I, I understand what the simulation's saying, but I don't think they realize how many 5,700 yards is. That's over a 1,200 1, yard jump, a 20 touchdown jump. So basically, he's going to average a point, an extra touchdown per game. He's yep. going to throw on average. So if you miss a game in which you don't throw for a touchdown, you're going to need to throw for four or five to possibly get back on track. So you believe uh, 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 Dak Prescott is going to average a little over three touchdowns per game? I don't see that, Skip. I don't see that. And I get the simulation and all that, yada, yada, yada. But no, 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 Skip. That he's not that, Skip. He's not that guy. Remember, I'm just going to go back to last year. The start that Tom Brady had, and the amount of time, think about how many times Tom was throwing the football. Over 700 times. He had what? He had, I think, he had a little less than 5,000 because I think if I'm not mistaken, Skip, Justin Herbert was the only guy to go over 5,000 yards. So that means for Dak, and Tom threw the ball over 700 times, had a nice completion percentage. I think he was around 66, maybe 67%. I didn't look up the stats, but I think that's where he was. Dak, in order to get to those numbers, is going to need to be around 68, 69, maybe even 70, and throw the ball at least, at the bare minimum, 750 times. But that's also when, when Jerry Jones has been saying, Zeke Elliott needs to be the guy again. He does. I don't know how those two things fit, to, fit together. Okay, so Shannon, how about instead of 57 touchdown passes, how about 47? <laughs> what if he just leaps by 10? Would that qualify for MVP consideration? Could that win him the MVP yeah, at 47? Sure it could. That, 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 that could, Skip, but we don't normally see jumps that drastic in order for, to, to, for these things to happen. Not that drastic. Well, I guess you could say Mahomes went from, went from two or three touchdowns all the way to 50, so stranger things have happened, but he's, there's a one-game start versus a 16-game a start. But, Skip, I, I, look, I get it. I just don't see with the receivers. Hell, who's going to be catching all these touchdowns? So if he throws for 57, that means C.D. Lamb's going to have at least 30 receiving touchdowns. Because who else the hell he going to throw the ball to? I, Noah Brown? I just, I just listed Dalton Schultz, Tony Pollard, Cavante <laughs> uh, Turpin. Uh, all these guys are big weapons for Dak Prescott. And I keep telling you, you keep laughing at me about C.D. Lamb. He's going to play that lamb like a lion this year. This is going to be his breakout. He doesn't have to worry about Dak's rapport, having better connection 
with Amari Cooper. All of a sudden, it's going to be CD, you could say, or bust at the wide receiver position. But I believe he will rise and shine just the way he did for Jalen Hurts in their year together at Oklahoma when CD Lamb dominated college football and, and had the, the largest yards per catch in the nation. And I believe by, by the end of the year, you're going to be talking about C.D. Lamb as a top 10 receiver. I believe he'll be a top five receiver by the end of the year. And you keep scoffing and ridiculing, and you're going to have a long, hard year, my friend. Skip, if I'm not mistaken, the year that Peyton went for 55, he had at least four guys. I think Eric Decker, I think, if I'm not mistaken, rest your soul, Demarius Thomas, Wes Welker, and Julius Thomas all had at least 10 receiving touchdowns. I think no, no Sean Moreno also had 10, but it was rushing and receiving. If I'm not mistaken, I think they had five guys, and that was a historic season. 50, over 5,400 passing yards, 55 touchdowns in 16 games. We know how much he threw the ball. They produced the greatest scoring season in NFL history, over 600 points. You believe that Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys are going to score over, skip, over 600. So if he throws for 57, Peyton had 55. That means, and I think Peyton had, they had 606. That means he's going to be somewhere between 620 and possibly 640 points. And then let's stop it. Skip, stop. If you sit down and really thought about what you had actually said, you're like, man, I, I am so sorry, Shannon, that I actually said that on, on live TV. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. My team <laughs> led the league last year in points and yards. Can you get that through your thick head? I mean, I yes. mean yes. what's not to love about that? Why, why do you discount yeah. it? Okay, because they me... fell apart at the end of okay. the year. They still did that. That th those were they, they, th they set the foundation for this last year. But those numbers aren't transferable. You don't get to just bring those numbers and pick right up where you left off. You have to start all over again. You don't get to stop. You get to start where you stopped. So guess what? You back down in the ravine and you have to scale back up the mountain. Okay. Well, we're going to scale all the way, according to the Madden <laughs> simulation, to our first okay. NFC championship game in 27 years. And Jen is gloating about, yeah, but the Saints beat you and the Saints go on in the simulation to win the Super Bowl. Great. I don't care. I will take NFC Championship game and, and I will celebrate it like it's the Super Bowl because it's been 27 long years since I even experienced that. How about this here? How about take the little division title and scram? That's what you do. Take your little division title, mm. which you're going to win this year, and skedaddle. That's, mm. as far, that's as far as this Uber is taking you. Okay? No. We're, we're going to scram right over your head is what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to make you sweat okay. and, and make you fear okay. us all year long because we're going to get better and better. And Dak, as, as in Rain Dakota Prescott, R-E-I-G-N, is going to finish this year strongly. 57 touchdowns, 5,700 passing yards. Yes, we have a deal. <laughs> I will pull for your Cowboys Thank to make you. it to the NFC Championship if you will pull for my Saints I, to win the Super Bowl. I, I, I will sign on to that, that all day. I will do that. Deal. <laughs> awesome. Both of you are awesome. delusional. All right, Both. guys. 
<laughs> we got to move on. We got to head over to Carolina now because guess what? Baker Mayfield officially named the starter. What does that mean for the Panthers' season? And then further on down in the NFC South, Brady is back. How will he navigate his latest challenge in Tampa? Skip and Shannon break all that down and a whole lot more when we come back. No mercy. When it comes to travel, we all know that feeling of wanting to escape to our happy place, whether it's hitting the beach, the ski slopes, or just kicking it with your crew in a tropical paradise. And Priceline wants you to get there and be very happy with a happy price. So you never have to miss a trip. Let me tell you, Priceline has got your back to make it all happen. My happy place is Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Picture this, crystal clear waters, golden sands, and sun shining down on you like it's your personal spotlight. That's right, Cabo is my ultimate happy place. And you know what makes it even better? Priceline's VIP family feature. You heard it from me, that's right. VIP treatment for you and your squad. Imagine being with your crew, soaking up the sun and living your best life. And while scoring deals up to five times faster, it's like scoring a game-winning touchdown on vacation. Now, who am I taking with me to Cabo, to that epic trip, that adventure? My boys, my ride or dies, my crew, ones who've been there through thick and thin from the beginning to the end. I'm not taking any kids, no kids, just me and the boys living it up. So what are you waiting for? Download the Priceline app today and save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your favorite happy price with Priceline. Make some memories that'll last a lifetime. Cabo ain't ready for me or us, but we're ready for Cabo. Thanks to Priceline, the real MVP of travel. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp because your mental well-being matters. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Unlock the power of therapy with BetterHelp and witness the transformative benefits it brings to your life, from gaining valuable insights into your thought patterns to building resilience in the face of challenges. Therapy empowers you to navigate life's twists with confidence. BetterHelp offers a convenient online platform. It's designed to be flexible, fitting seamlessly into your schedule. With a simple questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash UndisputedPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash UndisputedPod. Your mental health journey begins here. The Panthers officially making Baker Mayfield their starting quarterback when they open the season against the Browns week one. Baker said, yep, while he's excited for the matchup, all that matters now is, quote, continuing to improve until this regular season starts. Shannon, before Skip jumps in, there may or may not be some floating there, did the Panthers make the right decision here? Well, Skip, you would have to say yes, they did, because if they thought they had what they needed in Sam Darnold, 
after giving up what they gave up to get him and having to pay him damn near $20 million a year, you said, okay, well, Baker beat him out for the job. And that's what I believe Matt Rule had said at the very beginning. I'm not going to make a decision. They're going to settle this. And by all indication, Baker, from what I've been reading, I think David Newton, uh, I think one of the reporters, they've been saying that he, not David Newton, but I think the guy has been saying, Skip, Baker Mayfield looks to be the more consistent of the quarterbacks in practice. So for me, I mean, what other choice did you have? I do not believe that Baker Mayfield is a substantial upgrade over Sam Darnold, but that's not saying much. Sam Darnold, I mean, he seems like a very unassuming guy. He's not rah-rah. Baker does have, I mean, you can look just by looking. I've never been around either guy, but you can just look by their mannerisms. Baker is a more fiery, a more emotional, a more rah-rah, a more let's get going guy where Sam Darnold is just, you know, basically ho-hum. He's a bump on the log. Uh, but when I, I don't really, I mean, and they only gave up a, a conditional four, fifth round pick for Baker, um, not a whole lot of money tied up in it. So that tells me, Skip, that tells me everything that I need to know. What they gave up to get Sam Darnold, what they gave up to get Baker Mayfield, what they're having to pay Sam Darnold, what they're having to pay Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold is going to start the season on the bench. I can't come to any other conclusion. Because the money, the smart money, and you and I said, well, well, they got all this money tied up in Sam Darnold. He has to start at least for the first month of the season. And the Carolina Panthers says, no, that's not what we're going to do. We understand that we're paying this guy a boatload of money. But we don't feel at this point in time, he's the better of the two options. So we're going to go with the, the option that we gave up the least, that we're paying the least for, and we're going to roll with that. So, Skip, I have no other, other conclusion to draw then Baker should be the starter, although I thought Sam Darnold, because he got a slight head start. Now, this is a totally different offense from what they had last year. I thought Sam Darnold, having been in minicamp, having been in OTAs, and Baker getting there, uh, what, in June, late June, early July, that he would have at least a two-month head start. But it didn't seem to matter. Baker tracked him down and earned the starting job. Shannon Sharp, just to reiterate. Yep. For those watching, you love Sam Darnold before that draft. You thought he should go first overall. I love Baker Mayfield ahead of that draft. I thought he should go first overall. He did. He had his ups and he had his downs in Cleveland. And then he did something that shocked me. He actually chose to take less, to sacrifice to go to Carolina because he liked what he saw in Carolina. He wants to be the hopeless underdog again, just the way he was as a walk-on at Texas Tech and then a walk-on at Oklahoma where he won the Heisman Trophy. He wants to be a walk-on again at Carolina with a chip bigger than Cleveland, Ohio on his shoulder pads this time. And What's about to happen is what I've been telling you through the whole offseason. He's about to become the steal of the century, the biggest bargain ever on the free agent market because he, he wasn't technically free, but just on the open market where he was available. This has never happened before this side of Deshaun Watson, who obviously was a top three quarterback, who suddenly, weirdly, inexplicably became available because he fell apart with the Houston Texans. 
Then he had his issues, obviously, off the field, but Cleveland still plunged. I don't have any problem with Cleveland pl- plunging for Deshaun on the, as, as far as his football performance goes. But I did not think that the Carolina Panthers would see the light on Baker this quickly, and to their credit, they did. Matt Rule just saved his season and saved his job because Baker Mayfield is going to turn that team into what I've been telling you all along, into a wild card playoff team. I love this team. I think it's just laying in the weeds. And by the way, it came out of the weeds yesterday in said Madden simulation because the Madden simulation has (laughs) the Carolina Panthers as a wild card playoff team. Ah, You heard it here first. So, when, when you step back from this, you say, what did Steve Smith say over the weekend? He said, I, I, again, longtime, obviously, Carolina Panthers star receiver. Yeah. He yeah. said, I, Sam Darnold puts me to sleep at quarterback. I don't want a librarian at quarterback. That, that's exactly the bottom line point. Baker brings electricity. He bl- brings urgency. He... He brings he flair. He, he brings charisma. He brings excitement. He, he, he's been on his best behavior so far, but is his, his former favorite receiver in Cleveland, now in Carolina, Richard Higgins said, just wait. It's going to come. He's going to let loose with the trash talk and God help anybody he aims it at. And I loved what Ben McAdoo said yesterday when he was talking about why they went with Baker. He said, Baker, since he's been here in the last two weeks, it's been pretty impressive. One of his strengths is command. That's what I told you, Shannon. He can lead a room. He can lead a team. He can lead an offense. And he just has that presence about him. You know, he's got a fire in his guts, said Ben McAdoo, his coordinator of Baker Mayfield. He's got fire. Sometimes it comes across as jerky, snarky fire. But fire nonetheless, he took Cleveland on an amazing run down the stretch two seasons ago, an eight and three run to close the season, including a a huge playoff win, their first since 1994, the Cleveland franchise at Pittsburgh against their arch rival. Baker lit it up, had a QBR of 91 that day. That's who he really is. He got hurt last year. He tore his labrum. He fractured his left shoulder. And now he's healthy. You didn't think he'd get healthy fast enough to win the job. Apparently, he's a thousand percent healthy. And apparently, he has grasped the new offense about his sixth in, in his five years. He's grasped this new offense very quickly, according to Rule and McAdoo. So he's perfectly positioned with firepower. In, in a kid you know very well, and Christian McCaffrey, if he could stay healthy for, what, mm-hmm. 15 games? And D.J. Moore, who yes. is a bona fide number one receiver. I like D.J. Moore. Yeah, and Rashard Higgins is a favorite of Baker's, and is he'll rise and shine for Baker. And then that offensive line has been completely rebuilt and restocked. And you, you look at Iquanu at left tackle, he was the sixth overall pick. Yeah, he's going to have some growing pains, but he's a big stud. And they've had Taylor Moten, their second-round pick, at right tackle. And then they brought in that Bradley Bozeman from Baltimore at center. 
And Austin Corbett, who had played with Baker in Cleveland, came over from the Rams. And then guess who they have at left guard? How, how can you lose? You have Michael Jordan at left guard in Carolina. In Carolina. Michael Jordan. Well, I, Hey, Skip, Skip. The Michael Jordan in Carolina hadn't been doing too well. Well, that's true. As a team builder, not so much. But but if this kid is he's a fourth round pick out of Ohio State by the Bengals in 2019, if he has even an ounce of that Michael Jordan in him in Carolina in Charlotte, Skip, I, I'm I'm good with that. Should, Skip, that should tell you something. The guy was a, a fourth round pick of the Bengals in 2019, and he's already on Carolina. I mean, people are not giving away good offensive linemen. You keep, but see, you what you like to do is go back those eleven games. So that's eleven games and Baker's sixty-one starts. What about the other fifty games? And I get it. Yo, he had his chip on his shoulder and he was looking to get revenge on Hugh Jackson. But I believe he took a better team in the Cleveland Browns to Cincinnati. And when he did what he did, I don't know if it was Cincinnati or if I don't know if I don't remember if it was in Cleveland. But I know they played the Bengals and they did a did a number on the Bengals. I believe the Bengals, excuse me, I believe the Browns return to Carolina, come to Carolina with a better team than what Baker will be quarterbacking for on that Sunday. I could be wrong. It will let it play out. But I believe opening day, the Bengals are the more talented of the Bengals. I keep saying Bengals, excuse me. The Browns are the more talented of the two football teams. Carolina, Browns, I believe the Browns, top to bottom, offense, defense, are the better team. I believe coaching, they have the better coach. I think we already have five cases on opening day. We sure do. Cleveland sure at do. Carolina. Is that correct, sir? That is correct. That is correct. That is correct. Okay. And I think we had some. And Baker go through it. What's that? Wait. Go ahead. No, you go, go ahead. No, I'm going to hear what you want to say. No, I think you're no, going to put your you foot in your say. mouth. Go ahead and put it in. No, 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 no. No, I was going to say something about, about Baker leading the league in interceptions since he's entered the league. But you want to make another bet or something? Well, Am you, I hearing you correctly? You, you also bet me some huge bet that I can't. It was outlandish, but I, I made you pick another sort of out-of-the-blue team when I said that Carolina was going to be a wild-card team. I made you pick somebody, yeah. and you picked your Denver Broncos, who, by the way, according Absolutely. to the, the Madden simulation, Broncos miss the playoffs. Carolina makes the playoffs. Hmm. Bodes yeah. well for Think me. Think about what huh? you just said. Think about what you just said. Now, that means that the Saints are picked to win the Super Bowl. So that means they got to be in the playoffs. Do you believe Tampa will make, miss or make the playoffs? Well, obviously, they will make. So there are going to be three playoff oh. teams out of this division, which Madden simulates as the toughest division in pro football because Madden likes Atlanta a lot. I kind of liked what I saw from the two quarterbacks last night from Atlanta and Mariota and Desmond Ritter. Uh, Madden simulates Atlanta to go eight and nine and make waves in that division also. So, yeah, I could see three playoff teams coming out of there. Okay. I like Minnesota and Green Bay. I do believe Detroit will be better. I'm not saying they're a playoff team, Skip, but I do believe they'll be better. I like Minnesota and Green Bay. Now, let's go to the NFC West. We're going to talk about this a little later with the Rams. But you got the Rams, you got the 49ers, who you love Trey Lance, you like Kyle Shanahan, that offensive line and the way he can diagram a running game with Debo, Ayuk, Joe, uh, uh, Kittle, and the defense is solid. 
You like Arizona. You like Little no, Caliburn. That's your guy from Oklahoma. I know, but I don't love their team. You like- I don't. I don't. I told you, you I don't love, love the them. Okay, and now let's go back to your division where you spend your home, the NFC East. Are they only going to get one team? So are you telling me so, so only one team is going to come out of the NFC? You love the Eagles. You had the Eagles victory to win the division. Now you don't flip that over and say the Cowboys are going to be the number one seed. You can't be the number one seed without winning their division. So now that's two teams out of, your, out of that division. You said three teams out of the NFC South. How many teams are coming out of the North and how many teams are coming out of the West? I mean, they only got seven spots, Skip. I fear only one team will come out of the West because I'm, I'm not sure Trey Lance is ready to turn that team into a playoff team. At some point, he'll turn it into a Super Bowl winning team, but maybe not this year. So that's, that's eliminated that one team there. And I'm not sure about okay. anybody else coming out of the, the Aaron Rodgers Memorial Division except Aaron Rodgers the greatest regular season uh, uh, quarterback ever. So I think some slots are first opening up. First cousin might be What's that? Ain't nothing open. Ain't nothing. Carolina, Carolina, first of all, Carolina's not winning the division. So, I mean, not being a wild card. They're not going to the playoffs. I, I already predicted already it here first, one, so, so uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And, by the way, you, you, I, I think you're sleeping on that Carolina defense because Brian Burns is a flat-out stud. And to me, Derek Brown is a potential Pro Bowl player. And we know that J.C. Horn's a potential Pro Bowl player if he can just stay healthy. And Jeremy Chin, just every time I watch him, he jumps off the screen. They have firepower on defense. I thought down the stretch last year, they were a sort of sneaky top 10 defense. So yeah, you, I, I like you, this team, especially when it has a new Pied Piper of a leader in the Steal of the century, Baker Mayfield. I, you, you tried to pull this number on people last year. Oh, the Carolina Panthers, that defense, and your Cowboys mollywopped them, dropped like 50 on them. So nobody didn't like the Panthers that. last year. They're not that good. No, no. No, I, you like their defense because you tried to hype the Cowboys. Oh, we got our work cut out for us. That's a 3 0 team with a good defense. Nobody bought that. Not even $3, $4. Okay, well, I'm buying it this year. And once again, Mr. Sharp, you are in huge trouble. You're going to have a long, hard NFL season. Trust me. Okay. Okay. Molly whopped. I love that word, Shannon. I'm going to have to use that today. (laughs) All right. Let's continue with the NFC South, guys, because Tom Brady, he's back in practice for the Buccaneers. Todd Bowles says the veteran QB ran the offense well in his first day back. Brady, of course, going to have a different-looking O-line this season. Ali Marpet retired. Alex Kappa left in free agency. And now they're without guard Aaron Stinney. He tore an ACL and an MCL. And, of course, starting center Ryan Jensen, he's out for an extended period of time due to a knee injury. So, Shannon, scale of 1 to 10, how much trouble is Brady in? A 1. Because what Brady does, I can see if they ran an offense where they pushed the ball down the field. Skip, everybody knows that Brady's getting the ball out of his hand in under three seconds. And so when you get the ball out of your hand that length of time, your offensive line doesn't need to be the great wall of China in order to keep people out. He'll do a great job of, they'll do a great job of scheming it up. They'll do a great job of getting the ball out of Brady's hand because at that age, you're not trying, and you just need to be stout in the middle. I think they have two excellent tackles and Tristan Worth 
who's nursing an oblique uh, issue, but he should be fine. I don't know how much he's played in the, in the preseason, but he should be fine once the regular season kickoff. Donovan Smith, that left tackle. So what they need to do is shore up the inside. They'll do a great job of that, of making sure Brady's not getting hit inside of three seconds, and Brady are just fine. I'm not going to let Skip Bayless, and I'm not going to let other people put this narrative out here that Brady's doing this with a patchwork offensive line. Now, if you were to go put up those numbers behind the Chicago Bears offensive line, now your boy, hey, give Brady the MVP. If Brady throws for 40 touchdowns behind the Chicago Bears offensive line, now you're talking about something. But I'm not going to let y'all put that out there. I'm not going to let y'all put that out there this morning that Brady is somehow it has an uh, uh, insurmountable, uh, unattainable feat in front of him because of the offensive line. I don't believe that to be the case. I believe they'll do a great job of scheming. Tom Brady has always done a great job of getting the ball out of his hand. Their offense is not predicated on him holding on to it, pushing the ball down the field. Sure, they'll take their shots, but it's prime. More times than not, they're looking for the, the shallow crosses, the jailbreak screens, the bubble screens, what they call them. They'll do a lot of different things to make sure Tom Brady is not getting hit. So I am at a one on the concern scale. Shannon Sharp. The man you just wrote off as a 45-year-old dink and dunker led yes. the National Football League each of the last two years in air distance. Distance football's thrown. Tom Brady, number one in the league each of the last two years for the Tampa Bay no-risk-it-no-biscuit Buccaneers. Shannon, he likes to go long. He needs time to go long. That offensive line is suddenly in a shambles. It is decimated in the interior. You always tell me, what's the best way to beat Brady? How did the Denver Broncos used to beat Tom Brady? You got to get a push up the middle. You got to knock him off yeah. his spot. You got to make him go left or right before he wants to go left or right because he can't move, says Shannon Sharp. I think he moves pretty well, but that's just me. So the point is, when, when you lose Aaron Stinney the other night, he was the swing backup, either guard or tackle. He started the three playoff games, including the Super Bowl, when they so desperately needed him to, and he played very well. He was going to be the starting left guard, and all of a sudden, you're down to a rookie in Luke Gedeke, who is a second-round pick out of Central Michigan. I don't love that. I don't think Brady loves that. Or the immortal Nick Leverett, who was undrafted out of Rice. You like those? You, you really think they can hold down the fort and, and stop the push up the middle? And Shannon, one of Brady's all-time favorite players that he played behind was his center, Ryan Jensen, and he's gone for the year. They're saying maybe late in the year. He's gone for the year. He tore his knee up, and all of a sudden, they're going to try to go with a second-year player, a third-round pick out of Notre Dame named Robert Hainsey, who was a two-time captain at Notre Dame. I love his intangibles. I'm just not so sure Brady's going to love his tangibles. So uh, all of a sudden, I'm saying, wait a second, you're down Ali Marpet, who retired, and Alex Kappa's gone through free agency, and yeah, you got the two tackles, but, but the whole interior of the line is, is a disaster. It, on scale of 1 to 10 on trouble for Tom Brady, I'm going to go to a 7. I probably should go to an 8, and it's not some bogus narrative to make Brady look better. It's just the God's truth. It is. 
the, the problem is that we had the Brady break, as everybody was calling it, the 11 days off. And then he comes back and he can't get a break because his line is a mess. He needs some time to go no biscuit, no, no risk it, no biscuit throws. He needs to throw but it that, deep well, on occasion to Evans or Godwin. Yes. He just, or yes. to Russell Gage. Yes. Or yes. to Julio. Julio. Remember, Julio likes to get behind yes. people. Okay? You need some yes. time. And I think Brady, at least for the first half of this year, is going to get hurried and hit more than he has in either of the previous two years in Tampa. And I don't love that for a 45-year-old. I think he is up against it. It's the God's truth. Don't let the man sitting through the camera lens from me, Shannon Sharp, the Hall of Famer, don't let him bamboozle you. I just mollywopped him no. with the truth about what, Tom Brady and what's left of his offensive line. Skip, it took me a, it took me a while to figure out what you try to do, but you always try to undersell, so therefore you can overdeliver. Oh, Tom Brady back was up against the wall. I don't know how he did it. They had him dead to right, and he pulled a Houdini. First of all, you keep talking about air distance, but Tom Brady was not top five in completion percentage on ball thrown down the field. So we know Chris Godwin had 100-plus passes. Uh, I think he had like 99, 98, 99 passes, mm -hmm. and he missed the last two to three games. Mike Evans is their big play guy. Not a lot of catches, but touchdowns, especially in the red zone. So that's not their offense. Their offense always had the only time Tom Brady really pushed the ball down the field on a consistent basis was 2007 when he had Randy Moss. And they together broke the NFL receiving. Uh, uh, Randy had 23 receiving touchdowns in the 16 game. And Tom Brady was a unanimous MVP, broke the then record of 49 touchdowns with 50. So don't do that, Skip. You and I both know. Get the ball out of your hands. Under three seconds, that's what Tom Brady prides himself on. They did sign Shaq Mason. Uh, they traded for Shaq Mason to play him at right guard. They did. Uh, uh, and he's they very familiar that. because he's with the uh, New England Patriots. So, nah, we're not yep. going to do that, Skip. We're not buying it. We're not buying what you're trying to sell today. We're good. We bought some earlier in the week from somebody else that sold us something. Mm. So we're not going to allow you to sell us something that, that, that we don't need. And what we don't need is you trying to understand, uh, uh, oh, my God, Tom Brady is a ba his back up against the wall. He's never been in a situation trying to make Tom Brady out to be MacGyver. I'm not going to let you do it. Mm. Tom Brady's degree of difficulty just rose about 25%, and I'm being conservative oh my with my 25%. So if he does pull off winning this. MVP over Dak Prescott, it, it will be all-world MVP. It will be against all odds MVP, especially at age 45. Is he capable of doing it? Yeah, but according to Shannon Sharp, he's going to have to finish about 20th in air distance this year because he's going to have to get rid of the ball quickly, dink and dunk much of the time to play off Lenny Fournette. Well, Skip, if you're just throwing the ball, if you're leading in air distance and the balls are not in, the balls are not completed, what is that? That's just another stat that maybe ESPN or Pro Football Focus or some one of the analytics groups came up with. That doesn't do me. So if I'm a baseball player and I lead the, lead the league in longest outs, what is that? Did I get the, did I get a hit? Did I hit the ball over the wall? Long pop-ups does does nothing for me. I'm out. So if he's leading in air distance and the ball isn't completed, what, good, what stat is that? That's just another stat.
Shannon, you know and I know, it's called softening up the defense. It's called yes. making them second guess playing closer and closer to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It's called yeah. making why them respect the deep ball even if it's not complete. It's why in basketball why you should goaltend a shot early on just to make the other team think about the fact that you have an eraser in the middle of your lane defense. That's what that is. If you don't mind me, if you don't mind me asking, Skip, why are they not respecting the deep ball? Because he doesn't throw any deep balls. They're sitting on everything short because that's their offense. It's predicated on shallow crosses, jailbreak, bubble screens, jet sweeps, things of that nature. They're not pushing the ball down the field. So, yes, he will throw the ball over your head. It's like, yes, I still got this in my back pocket. I will throw the ball over your head. Although I don't want to do that. I want to get – because here's the thing, Skip. If I, put, if I got to take a, a five-step drop – that gives the defense a little more time to get closer to me. I'm not trying to get hit at 45, so I'm trying to get the ball out of my hands. You're absolutely right. He will throw the ball down the field to let you know I still have the we still have deep routes in our playbook, but that's not the play that we're trying to get to. We're trying to get Mike Evans and Godwin and De, uh, uh, Deontay Johnson. I think Deontay uh, uh, Tyler Johnson. Excuse me, Tyler Johnson on these crossing routes. We're trying to hit. Cameron break as soon as we possibly can. And now we got Julio. We'll find a role for him. But come on, Skip. We know what Tom Brady likes to do. That's what he's always done. You remember on, on that, uh, when they had him, when they had uh, a Bosa mic'd up, he's like, come on, Tom, hold on to the ball just a second. Three-step ball gone. Three-step ball gone. One-step jailbreak, bubble screen. Yeah. That's what he does. Shannon, Skip. do you remember, remember that game? I'm not man for it. Remember that game, Chargers at Patriots? Somebody, yes. I remember, picked the Chargers to pull off the upset yes. over Tom Brady. Yes. Somebody named Shannon uh -huh. Sharp picked the upset that day. Yes. And what was the final score? Like 45-7? to seven? Brady threw for 350? It, it, I don't know. It was another yes. classic Brady gym, right? And, and, and none of them was really down the field. What was it? Bubble screen. Jim hmm. Rick did a great job of getting the ball out so, of their hand quick. Shannon, I got do, no problem with do, that. Do you still? remember last year's playoff game in Tampa? against the Rams, the eventual Super Bowl champion Rams. Do you remember yes. Tom Brady scoring 24 unanswered points in the second half to tie yes. the score at 27 all? Do you remember the touchdown pass he threw to Mike Evans that cut the, he, the lead to, to 27 Evans, yeah. to yeah. 20? Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he victimized, what's that guy's name, that, that corner? I forget who he is, that guy for yeah. the Rams who thinks he's really good. What's his name, Jalen Ramsey? I don't know, J-Ram. Yeah. I, I, he got smoked on that play. He got toasted. He got he run did. by. He got, and, and guess he got what? caught looking in the backfield with shallow routes. Okay. And he the, got caught looking in the backfield I, with shallow routes. I don't know how the 44-year-old at that point did it, but he threw a dime to Mike Evans. He threw it about 50 yards in the air and just hit him right over the shoulder, right in the breadbasket for a touchdown. It was a beautiful throw by a guy that my partner Shannon Sharp said back in 2016 when we first started this show, he should take it on home. He's washed up. Let me ask you he a question. has declining what arm talent. Hit? He's lost his velocity. Tell me, what, tell me at, the end of the day, at the end of the day, what did that throw get him? 
It got, it got him, him going home. To it a got him retiring, re- yeah. retiring for forty days. Mm. It got him retiring for forty days. Mm. That's what that throw got him. Oh, did it? Well, I don't think he was ever remotely retired. I hung in, I and I told gonna, you that he I was just, not going to retire. I told you, and I was the, right again. Hey, well, he lied. He lied. I'm just going by what he said. I didn't make that up. Mm. That wasn't some story that I read. I saw him come to the mic and say that he retired. Mm. That's what he said. So he lied. Don't get me. You don't know what I, I told you he wasn't. I'm just going by what he said. I can, all I can do is go by what a man says. It was a bit of a power play. He wanted to remove Bruce Arians as the head coach, get him kicked upstairs and out of Tom Brady's hair, and he wanted Todd Bowles to take over rightfully as the head coach not only overseeing the defense, but the entire football team mission accomplished by GOAT. Way to like, go, Tom Brady. Looked like he was looked you like he was trying again. to make a power play and get to Miami. It looked like he was trying to make a power play and get to Miami before uh, uh, what you call him? Yeah. Top, uh, Flores. Yeah, that, that is up. true. That's what it looked like to me. But we'll, we'll talk about that another, day, another time. Th- this is the third time this show that I'm going to have to warn you to be the bearer of bad tidings to you that yet again, you're going to have a long, hard NFL season thanks to Rain Dakota Prescott, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, the Panther, and Brady the Goat, even behind a decimated All offensive right, line. Okay. We're out we'll of time, see. and I gotta jump in, send you to separate corners on this one. No mercy. Micah Parsons was among the top 50 pass rushers whose sacks for the coming season were projected. The Cowboys star linebacker projected to finish with 10 sacks, fifth most in the league. Skip's rocking the jersey. He debuted it earlier this morning. Shannon, do you agree with this projection? No, I think 10 is too low. Um, I think there's a reason why they went out in the free agency, even though, although they signed Anthony Barr late. I believe one of the reasons that they signed Anthony Barr was to bump Michael back to his spin so he can spend more time in his natural position, which is an outside edge rusher. And so now you have uh, uh, Anthony Barr, you have Wolf Hunter um, in the middle. Now you can let let Michael do what he really does, and that's get after the quarterback. So I believe 10 is a little bit too low. I think the bare minimum should be him for what he did in his rookie season. I think the floor should probably be 13 sacks, Skip. He has that kind of ability. His closing speed, and he's only. And I think, Skip, the more time that he spends at the rush in position, the better he'll get. He'll be able to refine those techniques. He'll understand how to set guys up and not just use speed or not just use power. You see T.J. Watt, how those guys are able to set guys up and dip. You see a Von Miller. You see a guy like an Aaron Donald, how he uses his hand and be able to. Well, he call it pinging, which is bouncing off an offensive lineman and being able to bend the edge. And the, be- the more he spends time at that position, Skip, the more refined he'll get, the better he'll become. And you'll see that total where you believe that he has the potential to be a 20-sack guy. I believe he has that potential also. So for me, Skip, I, I think 10 sacks is a bit too low for Michael Parsons. Given what I've seen from him last year, given his talent level, I think the floor should be 13 for him. Mm. How about... 20 sacks this year. How about leading the league in sacks? Can you see that the way I can see that? I don't know if leading the league. I think T.J. Watt, I think guys like T.J. Watt, I think uh, 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 Miles Garrett, those guys are going to be be up there, Skip. 
for the simple fact they have someone opposite of them. I don't know because I don't think D-Law is the same pass rusher when he had those double-digit sacks when he was in those contract years, Skip. I don't believe he's the same guy that can go get you those numbers that say a Jadavian Clowney opposite of Miles Garrett. And we know the Pittsburgh Steelers with those linebackers and how they're able to scheme things with Cam Hayward in the middle and those guys being able to scheme and get TJ isolated a lot of one-on-ones. So I don't see if he had an outside kind of like what Von Miller and Aaron Donald was able to do. Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, and Aaron Donald. Well, who are we going to double? Because if we leave one of those guys single, he's probably going to get home. If he had another guy, I'm not saying another Micah, but if he had another guy comparable that could probably put fear in people that this guy's a potential double-digit sack guy, yes, I would agree he could probably go get you 20. So Shannon Sharp, as I displayed earlier in the show, I hold in my hands my new, newest edition and now my most prized possession, my 11 jersey. 11 <laughs> from heaven. Why did you just call the Cowboys and get uh, an official jersey? Ah, uh, because Why didn't you I call don't the Cowboys? sell out the way somebody else sells out. I, <laughs> I buy what I buy. I, I bought this with my hard-earned money. And I love it. I'm, I'm going to sleep in this maybe tonight. I don't know. My point is. You're throwing the trash. I, I, not this one ever. Like you did that. I, I like, won't like ever you did need that, to. Like you did I, I won't ever need to because 11 from heaven is special. And all I know is yes. that the Hall of Famer Shannon Sharp was the first. He was actually for once ahead of even my curve here on Undisputed seeing this man, Micah Parsons, coming. I saw him flash at Penn State, but it was two years before that draft because mm -hmm. he sat out the last year because of the pandemic, obviously. And so I wasn't quite as sure as you were. Maybe you were a little bit lucky, but I know they were all-time <laughs> lucky that they tried to get either of the two corners, J.C. Horn, now obviously a Carolina Panther, or Patrick Sertan, now belonging to your Denver Broncos. And when those two deals in order fell through, they backed off. They took a, a couple of steps back, thanks to the Philadelphia Eagles. And boom, Micah Parsons fell right out of heaven. 11 fell right into their laps. And not only was he defensive rookie of the year, I believe he is right on course to be the defensive player of the year. So now back to this breakdown that Jen referred to that initiated this topic. Shannon, I'm going to read you this line that not only jumped out, but it just grabbed me around the throat and made me choke. The line is that Micah Parsons moonlights as one of the best edge rushers in the league. He moonlights as one of the best edge rushers in the league. How can you moonlight if you're one of the best edge rushers in the league? Wouldn't you make that your day job? Wouldn't you make that your full-time job? Did I not first guess this early last year? I kept saying, Dan Quinn, what are you doing? You're out-cuting yourself. You're out-thinking yourself. You're trying to make one of the best edge rushers, if not already the best edge rusher in pro football, you're trying to turn him into a jack-of-all-trades linebacker who can also cover little wide receivers all the way down the field at the goal line, as we saw against little Kenny Stills on that Thursday night in New Orleans, 
And then we saw all the way down to the goal line at Giants. He, he's actually covering downfield pass routes. And I'm saying, what are you doing? The stats scream and scream and scream some more that I was so right. Because would you believe that the, the best, what, what they call PRWR, pass, excuse me, pass rate, uh, pass rush win rate, I'll get it right, pass rush win rate. The number one win rate for pass rushers was Micah Parsons last year, yet they only let him rush 278 times. It's, it's paltry. It's minuscule. He got his 13 sacks on just 278 rushes. He rushed the passer 33% of his snaps. That is absurd. That has to change. And you would think, giving his pass rush win rate, if they made him a full-time edge rusher this year, which I think has possibilities, w- w- wouldn't wouldn't he wouldn't he maybe get up to twenty sacks? Couldn't you see it? I, I mean, the well, numbers well, would scream know. yes. But here's the thing, though, Skip. I'll, I'll slide the protection and I'll double him or I'll chip him on my way out because I don't really fear anybody else. The thing is, is that. It's very rare that you see a guy, if you look at Aaron Donalds and you look at those guys, he has Leonard Floyd. Uh, Jadavian Clowney is opposite of Miles Garrett. It's normally, Skip, they work in tandem. And so it, what was so amazing about, uh, about J.J. Watt getting those sacks, he really, I don't think he had but maybe one, if that, a double-digit sacker on the opposite side of him. But normally when you get a combo, that's when you, 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 you raise hell. Because now, Skip, which way do we slide the line? We can only double one of those guys. And so the one that we don't double, he probably is going to get home and and make you pay for not doubling him. And so I'll agree. If this was D-Law four years ago, when D-Law was getting your double-digit sack and you put Micah Parsons opposite of him, yeah, somewhere between, I would say somewhere between 16 and 20 sacks would probably be easy. Yeah, but because of the, because he doesn't have someone of that nature opposite of him, I believe thirteen of the floor. I still believe he can get probably go get you sixteen. Yeah, Shannon, Demarcus Lawrence is still a force on the other side. He he might not be able to make you miss, but he can bull rush you. He can often require double block. He 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 can wreak havoc over there with just his phil- physicality. Just his get-off is, is, is just so forceful, impactful, that, that at least he can hold down his end of the bargain on that side. And yet, to your point, I covered those dynastic cowboys of the 1990s. And as you know, Charles Haley, who never liked me, was still one of my all-time favorite cowboys because he was unblockable. Well, he didn't have a partner in crime on the other side. He had Tolbert. He was decent, but he... Tolbert was more of Tolbert. like a Demarcus Lawrence, but yeah, but Skip, but you had that Lat- was like that was kind of like the like like the uh, uh, the Giants jet package when they had Strahan, they had OC, they had Tuck. Now Tuck, they bumped Tuck down, and now they kicked Tuck down inside, and so now and Canty, and so now you got four guys, so they're more by committee. You're right; they didn't have the big name opposite Charles. No. Charles was the guy that everybody was trying to send their attention to. And now you let Leon let. Now you let Russell Maryland. Now you let Tony Tolbert. You let those guys work one-on-one. 
And so what Micah, Micah is going to get the attention. The question is, D-Law, he's a tremendous run stuffer. I just don't know if he has the bend and the explosiveness that he once possessed to bend the edge consistently and turn the corner and go get your double-digit sacks. I'm not, he's still a solid player, Skip. He's still a top run stuffer. He still can pressure the quarterback. But the bend the edge like he was getting those double-digit sacks when he parlayed that into the big contract, I don't believe that D-Law is still there. Okay, but what you have is so special in Micah because he is so sudden to the quarterback. His burst, his, it's just so electric to me because it's, it's been a long time since I saw a man that big move that quickly and that fast. And we've seen him in the offseason racing various Trevon Diggs and, and in that race at the Pro Bowl and the skills competition night. Tyreek mm-hmm. wouldn't participate. But the, the point is, he's legitimately fast. And I think they got yes. a little mesmerized by his downfield speed as opposed to his upfield quickness, which we've seen. I know we're seeing the highlights now, but the, the burst against Taysom Hill, the burst against Justin Herbert, the bust, the, the, the burst that nearly took Taylor Heineke's head off at Washington. They're, they're just spectacular plays that others aren't capable of. And as I've told you again and again, I believe this, this is the year where the Cowboys walk onto the field for introductions and they're looking around at each other and they're thinking, we've got 11 and they don't have 11. That, that's how special right. he is. And I don't mind Dan Quinn moving him along the front as long as you establish the fact that his primary goal his primary job is to rush the passer, not to play passing lanes, mm-hmm. not to zone blitz right. and drop into pass coverage. I, I just don't want to see that. He's just he's just too gifted to misuse him that way this year. Maybe last year you experiment, you figure it out. But this year, to your point, now that you've added Anthony Barr and you hope that Wolf Hunter can stay whole and stay healthy for 15 or 16 mm-hmm. games at least, it, you, you can afford to, to just put Micah wherever you want to. You can stand him up in the middle of the formation or you can put him on either edge. I don't care. Just let him see passer, seek passer, destroy passer, hurry passer, rush mm-hmm. passer, knock him on his keister. What, it's what he does best. It's, it's what makes a defense go. There, there's nothing like it when you can get to the passer. It makes, obviously, all your DBs look a lot better. It allows Trevon Diggs yeah, to get away with gambling and sometimes failing. It, it allows everything to work if you're getting 20-odd sacks, which I believe he's highly capable of getting. Yeah, oh, he's he definitely capable of that, Skip. But I, I would like his chances a lot better if he had someone. But I think the thing is, I agree with you. You know, hey, Dan Quinn, move him up and down the line and see which door is open. Yeah. And just that's what you do. You find the weak link. You just keep pulling. Okay, I try to left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Hey, w- and once I once I find the weak link, yep. I'm Agreed. pulling on it all day. Well, we used to have Randy Gregory, but thanks to you guys, you snaked him away from us thanks to some contractual technicality. Just yeah, like yeah, those yeah, Broncos yeah. to snake people. I, I don't know. It's just how we, you do we, business. We, we've taken a lot. We, we, we've taken a lot. Of, we got a lot of your guys. We got, uh, did we get Craig Morton from you guys? We borrowed him. You could have him. We borrowed, borrowed DeMarco. 
We borrowed DeMarcus Ware, parlayed you that into to a, a championship. Yeah, we did. Good. You got him on his last leg. So hey, as a matter of fact, people don't remember this, Skip. So Tony Dorsett came to Denver. Remember Tony Dorsett finished his career in Denver? He was washed up. Thank you. Yep. Uh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Shots fired. No mercy. All right, back to that breaking news now. After a busy offseason of rumors, drama, reports with Kevin Durant and the Nets, Brooklyn just released a statement that Steve Nash, Joe Sy, Sean Marks, and KD all met in L.A. yesterday and have, yes, decided to move forward with their partnership. Skip, you called it. Shannon, how will they make this work, though? It's easy. Um, Skip, sometimes when emotions are high, logic is low. And I think Kevin Durant getting swept, the fashion in which they lost, I think that left a very sour taste in his mouth. He's like, I thought we were better than that. We're better than that. Uh, I know we're better than that. And uh, maybe there are some things that were going on inside the building that he thought needed to be changed. And he wasn't sure they're going to be willing to make those changes. And so I tell you what, you don't want to make if I'm not so sure you'll make those changes. Let me change the scenery for myself. Um, but I think the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets did a very good thing. They didn't overreact. They didn't panic. Say, okay, you want out? Okay, we're going to get your ass out of here. Because a lot of times that's what happens, Kim. People want to divorce. You want a divorce? I'll give you a divorce tomorrow. Instead of sitting down, let this thing, let, hey, let cooler heads prevail. Let's talk this thing through. Hey, okay, I still believe this is the best situation for us. And I think the Brooklyn Nets, you know, they were kind of in communication. Hey, KD, this is still a great situation. And maybe, Kate, maybe they assure KD, we will do a better job of holding guys accountable. We're gonna, when guys mess up, we're going to say, hey, bro, that's not good enough. When guys are late or not doing the right things, we're going to say that's not good enough. Maybe KD wants to run a little tighter ship. There are some things that maybe that he had a conversation with Sean Marks, Steve Nash, Joe Sy. Maybe there are some things that they told him in that meeting that put Kevin Durant's mind at ease. Whatever the case may be, I like it. I like that KD is staying in Brooklyn. I like Kyrie staying in Brooklyn because I do believe Kevin Durant is great enough to win a title. And what Kevin Durant doesn't know, and maybe he does and will never admit it, he wins one title in Brooklyn. It will mean more than both of those that he won in Golden State because it would be a situation that he helped establish. It was a culture that he helped foster in. And so for me, I th this was the best decision. You're ne Skip, you talked about it. Everybody's talked about it. You were never going to get equal value for Kevin Durant unless you swap Giannis or unless you swap the Nikola Yoke, a, a, a player of equal, you know, somewhat equal value. But Skip, you tried to say, well, we'll give you these three players and two first rounders. That ain't Kevin Durant. Because that player has never been an MVP. That player has never been a 10, 11-time, 12-time, 13-time All-Star. That team, the guy's never been a 9-time first-team All-NBA player. So you tried to swap me spare, part, spare parts for a drop-top Bugatti. Nah, I'm good. But cooler heads prevailed, Skip. Mm. Cooler heads prevailed in this situation. And I would like to start by congratulating Josiah Miller for standing <laughs> strong against the onslaught of you have to move Kevin Durant because he won't be happy. Joe Sy was the first NBA owner to say no to a superstar. We've seen what's happened in the past, especially featuring James Harden 
quitting his way out of Houston, quitting his way out of Brooklyn to Philadelphia. It's a bad look for the league. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, same. We've seen a plethora of these, and, and it's, it's an ugly parade because I just know from my little unscientific circle of friends that they just get sick and tired of this. They start to lose interest in the NBA because they feel like the superstars just run the league and could go anywhere they want to on a whim. And a lot of these have been whims, and Kevin had a whim. Get me out of here. Get me to Miami. Get me to Phoenix. And in the end, desperately saying, them or me, either they go or I go. And Joe Sy, to his credit, stood strong all the way through. Because I do think in the end, I've said this from the start, even though Kevin Durant has the thinnest skin of any superstar I've ever closely observed, I believe Kevin has a really good heart. I think in the end, yeah. he's a good guy. He, he gets a little wacky and a little crazy, and he can get a little paranoid, <laughs> and he, he doesn't need burner accounts or spats, beefs with the media, but th- that seems to be what propels him. And yet, in, in the end, he's a good guy. And I think in the end, he really loves Kyrie. And I don't know, I'm not privy to the conversations they have, but he felt like Kyrie betrayed him last year by not getting vaccinated. And I believe that was the truth. And I believe Kyrie destroyed the psyche of that team. He, he destroyed what, whatever unity they had just by saying, no, I refuse to get vaccinated for no apparent reason. I still don't know why Kyrie, he, he's got his own way of thinking. And I respect that. He's an outside-the-box thinker. But if you're going to accept the $37 million, you, you have to do some things for the team. And maybe Kyrie has learned a lesson here. Maybe he's grown up a little bit. But apparently he and Kevin are back not only on speaking terms, but back to being besties. I, I don't know, being blood brothers. It, it feels like that's where it went. I thought maybe that Josiah would have to sacrifice Steve Nash to make Kevin a little bit happier, a little more comfortable there. But the irony of me saying that is, remember, right after they lost the fourth game and got swept by Boston, Kevin staunchly defended Steve Nash and said, we've been through so much turmoil off the, the court that it's not fair to hold him accountable for this because he, he hasn't had a, a level sort of playing court to, to be able to, to demonstrate how good a coach he can be. So apparently all is well. And now the, the question looms, will Kevin pout? Will, will his heart be in it? No. I didn't think his heart was in it against Boston. No. I, I don't think he will pout. No. He, he's a basketball so player. Kept. He's a hooper. He just likes to work on his craft, to be dedicated to his craft. Maybe he will assume a little more of a leadership role. Maybe that's what Joe sold him is, I need you to step up and take over this team. You are the elder statesman here, and, and you should be the commanding officer of this team. And I think he will be. And by the way, Shannon, I said this from the start, much to the chagrin of Kevin's brother, who said, hell with this concept and hell with you to me about Kevin staying in Brooklyn. But apparently Kevin's going to stay. His heart's in staying. And my heart's in the Nets next year because, Shannon, I keep telling you, I really like what the Nets have. I like how they improve their Mm -hmm. team with Royce O'Neal and T.J. Warren and bringing everybody back. 
I, I don't know what's not to like if Ben Sims, uh, Simmons obviously is the huge X factor here. Is he right physically and emotionally? I, I can't know that, but I think he's got a good chance of being. And if he is, on paper, this is the best team in basketball. On paper, they should be favored just the way they were a year ago going into the previous season. Well, Skip, the thing was is that Kevin Durant really never had no, had any power for the simple fact he had four years on the contract. Yep. Now, Skip, if he only had one year, you would have had to move him because you were going to lose him for nothing. But because you had he had four years, this was the ultimate check, checkmate, check. It was the ultimate check, yep. check, check, checkmate, Josiah. Because Kevin Durant, when he requested a trade, okay, he tried to check the organization. The organization says, okay, we'll try to facilitate it, but we're not just going to give you away. Then Kevin Durant raised the ante. I need both of those. It's either you choose either him, no, it's either them or not him, them or me. Joe Sy comes out publicly and says, I got their back. Checkmate, boom, then we're going to shut that down. Now, Skip, one time before, you remember when Magic Johnson, he had just won the title. He had. And he had a falling out with Paul Westhead. He did. He said, Magic came in there after the game and said, I want to be traded. I just can't do it with this man. I, I just can't. So him or me, Dr. Buss chose magic. Okay. He did. As simple as that. I got that. But sometimes. But I, but Skip, I was leery, though, Skip. I was leery. Skip, I was leery, though, because K, if I believe had KD, had it not gotten out, Joe Side might have been willing to do something with Steve Nash. But, Skip, you can't have a man say this publicly no. and then do it. I, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. But in the end, it's like the old cliche about sometimes the best trade is the one you don't make. Well, you in, in, in yep. Kevin's circumstance, I believe he's going to come out the winner here because, seriously, the, the best situation for him was right under his nose in Brooklyn. And I think he yes. came to that revelation like, Wait a second. I'm about to enter into a four, new four-year deal on opening night that pays me royally to be a Brooklyn net with Kyrie and with Ben Simmons and with a really strong supporting cast. What's not to love about that? Right. I agree. I, I totally agree. I believe this is the best situation for him, yep. given with the pieces that they've added. Yeah, they're definitely. I definitely believe they're going to move to the front of the line as far as the. I, I think too. Boston was the favorite. Yep. I, but I believe they're going to move to the front of the line in the East. If not, maybe the entire NBA. Maybe Golden State hold a slight edge, but I don't know if going if these two teams meet and they're both healthy. I don't believe Golden State can beat them in the finals. Well, I'd like to see that finals. Woo. I wouldn't. I like to and see that's Lakers open up against my Pelicans, guys. Mm. So I don't know that I'm so pumped about this news. Skip, <laughs> let's give credit where credit is due. You have called this since day Thank one. You. I appreciate that. All right, Jim. moving on, gentlemen. Will the Cowboys' financial success translate on the field? Skip and Shannon dive in. No, no mercy. According to Forbes, the Cowboys remain the highest valued sports franchise in the world. Eight billion dollars. Billion with a B. They're also the very first team to generate over $1 billion in revenue. Shannon, how do you explain this one? They're the Cowboys, merchandising and marketing. Jerry Jones has done a great job of, of, of building this. I mean, it was already the Cowboys, but Skip, he's done an excellent job of marketing. Um, Jerry saw something like, you know what? I don't want to be all the thing. I'm going to be a part of the revenue sharing is the, the TV because I think you guys are lazy and I can do a better job of marketing 
this and building it more than sharing with you guys. And he did that, Skip, when everybody else was doing Coca-Cola, Jerry Jones went to Pepsi. When everybody else had Reebok, Jerry Jones went to Nike. And so Jerry has always thought outside of the box. When everybody was doing uh, StubHub, Jerry did seat, uh, uh, seat Geek or whatever that was mm -hmm. with the ticket sales. So he's always forward thinking. He's always thinking outside of the box. What's the best way? And because of the Cowboys, I remember when we first had this discussion and, and, and we were talking about it. And I was trying to guess uh, um, who I, I would have thought the Yankees. The Yan I mean, the pinstripe. I mean, yeah. uh, you don't get more famous than the, the, the pinstripe skill. No. And it was the Cowboys. And I don't think they looked back in the last decade. And so for me, that's the only thing I can think of, Skip, because the, 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 the Yankees has won a, a, a championship, say, in the last 10, 15 years. I think they last 2009, I think, is when yep. they won it. The Cowboys haven't been to the, uh, uh, hadn't been to the Super Bowl in 27-plus in years. So for me, that's the only thing that I can think of. Uh, the valuation, what do you think someone would be willing to play for the Dallas Cowboys? Although I believe it would probably go for somewhere north of probably $10 billion. Considering, Skip, NFL teams, they print money. That would be, you know, they, they, they talk about, Skip, that, that, that's really, they print money. Three, four, five hundred million per year. So for, uh, that's the only thing that I can think of, Skip, of why the Cowboys have such a high valuation. They're $1.6 clear of number two, which is the New England Patriots. But Jerry Jones, this is all about Jerry. Jerry has done a great job of marketing the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, Shannon Sharp. I speak as a lifelong yes. diehard Dallas Cowboys fanatic. <laughs> yes, you, yes, you the are. The last time my Dallas Cowboys played in an NFC championship game was January 14th of 1996. That's incomprehensible to me. Yeah. The next NFC championship <laughs> game will be played on January 29th of 2023, obviously, as the calendar turns over into January. Would you believe right. that if my Cowboys, according to the Madden simulation and projection, if they make it to said NFC championship game on January 29th of next year, would you believe that will be almost 10,000 days since my Cowboys played <laughs> in an NFC championship game? 10,000 days? Yeah. And you're telling me that they're running away with most valuable team in the world, and you're telling me they're the first team ever to generate $1 billion in revenue. It, it does not make sense because in the interim, mm -hmm. since that Super Bowl that the Cowboys won, obviously, in early 1996, their playoff record is 4-11. and 11. If you look at teams yep. that have played in at least nine playoff games over that stretch— would you believe that the Cowboys' winning percentage in the playoffs is the worst in the National Football League? Yes. So not only have they not made the playoffs very much, but they haven't won very often either. They've won, won a grand total of four games over those 27 years. That, that's impossibly yep. wrong and bad. But what yep. does it boil down to? The reason the Cowboys sell is the biggest reason they lose, and that is Jerry Jones. Shannon, you, you remember, my, some of our younger fans won't, but you remember the sitcom, The Beverly Hillbillies? Well, yeah, again, it, it works for Jerry because he's Jed Clampett. He accidentally struck <laughs> oil that Jed was in the, the sticks in Tennessee, in Tennessee he, and he loaded up yeah. his truck and his family and yep. moved to Beverly Hills, that is, swimming yes, pools is. and movie yep. stars. Well, that's what yep. Jerry did, and when he first came to Dallas and 
in that 1989 year, a lot of people called him Jethro Jones. Jethro was obviously the son of Jed Clampett on the, the Beverly Hillbillies. So yeah, Jethro yeah. Bodine. So Jerry was Jethro. And what has happened is Jerry has become the face of the Cowboys who are the best reality show to me on TV because every day mm-hmm. it's something mostly featuring Jerry. He sells it because right. you never know what that kooky, wacky Jerry might think of next, what he might spill out of his mouth next, what, what he might do next, who he might try to sign next. He is ultimate reality TV, and it, it sells yes. like crazy. It doesn't really help me win football games unless somehow this year's team can figure out how to win in spite of Jerry and in spite of his puppet, please drop the Mike McCarthy. And you've been able to accumulate this, Skip, despite winning. You mentioned that ro- the, the, the 4 and 11 in the playoff, Skip. They're 0 and 7 on the road. Ugh. 22 teams yeah. have more playoff wins since Dallas last won the Super Bowl. Ugh. So that just goes to show you it's not about winning, it's about marketing, it's about branding. And nobody has done it better than Jerry Jones. And I think, Skip, I think that's more important to him. I really do at this point in time. I do too. It's more important to him than owning the Dallas Cowboys and them being what they are as opposed to winning. Okay. Because guess what? If Go ahead, go ahead, Skip. Shannon, wouldn't you say this has broken the mold? Wouldn't you have learned throughout your life that you have to win to sell? In the end, you have to win something? Yes, yes. Yes. Right? I don't know how they've done it, but they've done it. They've done it. And this is why winning is not the most important, because they're the first team to reach a billion dollar in revenue, and they haven't won. So, Skip, what's the incentive? Because, Skip, if I'm going to do this, if my value is going to increase exponentially, and I don't have to make any sacrifices towards winning, I can just stand pat and just sit on this gold mine. Well... Guess what, Shannon? I just contributed to what? that billion dollars right here. <laughs> I contributed, right? You did. I filled the coffers with my money. <laughs> Congratulations, Jerry. You got me too. You, yeah. Gentlemen, I don't know. It probably hey, depends he, he, a little bit on how you define winning, because Jerry Jones is definitely winning. When he he's winning. He's winning in the bank account. Oh, he's winning. We gotta go. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Tom Brady add another MVP to his trophy case this season. We're gonna get to that in just a second. No mercy. Tom Brady returned to practice yesterday for the Buccaneers, and Todd Bowles says the veteran QB ran the offense well. At age 45. Brady still has the third highest odds to win MVP this season, according to Fox Bet Sportsbook. Shannon, prediction time. Where will Brady finish in this year's MVP race? I got him top five. Um, obviously, I, I think um, all the most sporting books have uh, Josh Allen is one. I think Patrick Mahomes is two. I think Brady is three. Brady might be three, followed by, uh, I think, Justin Herbert's in there, and I think Dak is fifth. What, what about your guy, Aaron Rodgers? Is he out of sight, out of mind now, or all he did was <laughs> win back-to-back? Uh, I, I, think, I, think a lot, I, I think a lot of people, are, are, well, I think uh, the Triple Crown, man, that'll be, that would be some kind of feat, Skip, considering. And he has a very, and, and all of these guys really have narrative, Skip. Tom Brady with the offensive line and, you know, 45 years of age, the retirement, Chris Godwin's coming off an injury. But I think the thing is, for me, and he, you know, he has still has weapon. Mike Evans is his top receiver. Chris Godwin is back. Russell Gage replaces uh, Antonio Brown. Yep. So you can probably still get the same production without headaches. 
uh, Julio is in. Mm-hmm. Although Gronk is retired, I like Cameron Brake. You got an all-pro in Tristan Worth. Donovan Smith is more than adequate. He's a very good left tackle. Uh, they're going to have to shore up the insides, but I think they'll do that. I say he's top five. I'd say he comes down a little from the totals that he put put up last year, Skip. I'm going to say top five, but I'm not going to say he's going to win the award. Okay, top five means fifth. Is that what you got? Yeah, top, yeah, top five, top five. Okay. He might, I mean, he might be four. But, Skip, I, because I think, I, and look, I, I think Mahomes, Mahomes, like, man, he did that without Tyreek. I think Mahomes is going to have a really, really good year. I think Justin Herbert's going to have a really, really good year. But uh, uh, Brady, and I think Brady, I think all these guys are going to have really good years, Skip. But the question is, how good a record will Tampa have? And will Brady, I mean, when you throw for almost 5,000 uh, uh, last year, he's going to have to come up from that number this year. Okay. And I don't, I don't know if he'll have a, that, get that type of season. So how do you like the narrative of Brady does it without Gronk? Wouldn't that narrative play nationally? Well, I, I think, Skip, I don't think people look at Gronk. They look at Gronk as can give you, can ha- still have that big moment, but he was not the dominant Gronk that we saw in New England. That guy that really took over like eight, nine games in a season, go get your 11, 12, 1,300 yards receiving, go get your 12, 15 touchdowns receiving in a season. He wasn't that Gronk. He was still very, very good. I don't want to shortchange the importance. But I think there are other factors. Uh, the offensive line is probably the biggest narrative because you know without protection, it's hard for a quarterback to do his job. I think he'll be. I think he'll have a great season, but I don't think he'll win the MVP. Okay, we spoke earlier in the show of the Madden simulation that had my guy Dak Prescott winning MVP in a runaway while shattering records for yards <laughs> passing and touchdown passes with 57. And would I love to see it? Yes, I would. Will I root for it? You better believe I'll root for it. But now I'm doing head over heart. I believe that Tom Brady would have the edge here to win this year's MVP. I believe he came back on a mission with a foul taste in his mouth thanks to that defensive breakdown that cost them the Rams game in the playoffs has obviously catapulted the Rams onto the Super Bowl. And Brady had scored 24 unanswered points. It was 27 all, and they blew a blitz. I I don't know what happened. And all of a sudden, they let Cooper Cup run free, just run free down the middle of the football field for the catch that resulted in the walk-off field goal. So I believe Brady never got over that. I believe you're going to see an even more possessed psycho Tom Brady this year than you saw last year. And I do think opening night at Jerry World is going to be a – MVP preview of GOAT versus Dak. And uh, right now, my money is slightly on GOAT. Well, just just so before we close here, just so because you say your defense blew that thing and cost Brady, it was the defense that kept Brady in the game. Uh, because you remember for the first three quarters, he was stinking it up. Uh, and the defense forced four turnovers. Let's not forget quarter. that. I, that's all yeah, I know. That's, that's, how, that's, how you, I, that's what I remember about Matthew Stafford in the fourth quarter. Mm. You remember that quarter, too. Mm. It's funny how we remember the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> you got lucky for one. <laughs> hey, no luck. Don't do that. Wow, Don't do that. Two on the same page a little bit? Woo. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, Finally. we got to move Finally. on. Well, the Rams have a Super Bowl hangover. We'll break down the latest projections. But we no. no mercy. 
All right, the Rams did not fare so well in Yahoo Sports Madden season simulation. The defending Super Bowl champs finished 9-8 and eight and missed the playoffs. Shannon, how wrong do you think this is? Well, I don't see that happening. The only way that happens is the, the, the elbow issue that is plaguing Matt Stafford in the preseason and in camp flares up and it keeps him out for an extended period of time. I like the addition of Bobby Wagner. I like the addition of Allen Robinson. Aaron Donald is still there along with Jalen Ramsey. They were in Cooper Cup, had the greatest season for a receiver in NFL history. I don't see that happening. Shannon, I was with Madden a year ago. I did not think they'd be nearly this good. But right now, I don't think their division is nearly as good as it was a year ago. So I think like my Dallas Cowboys, they back into a division championship and a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think they factored in, Skip, the Matthew Stafford elbow. Now, all bets are off. If that elbow is, is what's been plaguing him for the last, you know, couple of weeks, Skip, if that flares up and it forces him to miss some time, yeah, sure. Such a fun show, guys, but we are out of time. So that's it for us here on Undisputed. We'll see you tomorrow morning. 